without adequate sleep, we're not going to have the motivation and the energy to work out. Without good sleep, we're not going to have the willpower to make good food choices. So that's why I really say it's sort of the foundation upon which the other pillars are built. Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Everyone, welcome back to the Midlife Makeover Show. I'm hoping that today's podcast episode does not put you to sleep. (laughs) We're hoping instead it wakes you up uh, to about the topic of sleep, actually. Today's guest is Morgan Adams. She is a certified holistic sleep coach for women who struggle with getting a good night's sleep consistently, keyword there, consistently. Her goal is to help women feel better and live better. And the key to both begins with a good night's sleep. Morgan is also a former insomniac who spent almost a decade using prescription sleeping pills, despite knowing that her overall sleep quality suffered. She's also a two-time breast cancer survivor. Wow who advocates for a lifestyle of disease prevention and integrating holistic strategies for cancer treatment. Everyone, meet your new sleep soulmate, Morgan Adams. Thank you, Wendy. Oh, yeah. Thank you. What a wonderful uh, display of the bio. That's wonderful. Yeah. I know. Isn't it funny? Like I've been on, I've been a guest on podcasts and they read my bio and I'm like, wow, who are they talking about? (laughs) She sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> you are amazing, though. Oh, I'm, I'm excited you. to hear more about you and to yeah. learn your story. So, yeah, I guess take us back. Um, I know in your bio, you shared about being on sleeping pills for almost a decade. Yes. And you're a breast cancer survivor, which is incredible. And uh, so, yeah, how did this all begin with becoming a sleep coach? Yeah, well, I... I had insomnia myself. It was about 18 years ago, and it was kind of kicked off by a relationship problem, which I won't go into detail about. But what ended up happening is I developed what we call sleep onset insomnia. So that's basically you can't fall asleep. Mm. So it would take me about two hours most nights to fall asleep. And after about two months of that, I got so fed up with that that I just decided to go to my doctor. Mm. And I was given Ambien. Yep. As, mm-hmm. as a, as a, you know, medication. And at the time I was a pharmaceutical sales rep. So when I was given a medication, 
I did not think anything of it other than just mm-hmm. take the damn pill. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> it was you're told. Yep. Uh, so I, I took the Ambien. It got me to sleep faster as promised, but it did have a lot of side effects, especially the next day, especially grogginess, trouble <sighs> focusing. And we can talk more about those side effects if you want later, but suffice to say, um, you know, it wasn't pleasant going yeah. through the side effects, but I felt like it was my only way to get to fall asleep. And mm-hmm. so I continued on with the sleeping pills for eight years. And then after eight years, I met who is a man who is now my husband. He was then my new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And he said to me in a very kind, loving, compassionate way, you, when you take those pills, you become like a zombie and it kind of freaks me out. Wow. Like a massive wake up call because I knew those pills. Literally. Yeah, it really really was. And those, I knew those pills weren't going to be good for me long term. And what I did was I ended up um, tapering down the pills and Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't consult my doctor. So for any of those people who are out there listening, this is not saying go ahead and taper down your pills. You really need to pull in the professional who prescribed them for you to give you that. Uh, taper schedule. And mm-hmm. then ideally, you know, have someone like a sleep coach on hand for the accountability and the support. But I did manage to get off the pills by myself successfully. Um, I white knuckled it and I slept pretty well after that. No, no, mm-hmm. no major issues. And then there was a little plot twist. And that plot twist was something that we all went through together. That was March of 2020. And the first oh, yeah. months of the pandemic, when nobody knew which way was up, I noticed that my sleep was starting to suffer again. Hmm. And I got concerned. I really got concerned because I did not want to go back to that world of insomnia that I had gotten out of. So I started to be really proactive. Mm-hmm. At this point, you know, there's more information online about sleep. So I started to Google about sleep. I bought an aura ring to track my sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in fairly short order, I got things normalized again. But I was I was so fascinated with what I was learning about sleep that I just organically started to share it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I, I found out at that time that a lot of other people in my circle were also struggling with their sleep. Yes. So that was I found that really intriguing that so many people were having trouble sleeping at this time. And then it was late in 2020 that I had this revelation. And the revelation was that I needed to become a sleep coach to help other women who were struggling with their sleep. So you mentioned the breast cancer. These yeah. are not these these stories are not terribly tied together, but because of the breast cancer in 2018, I really felt like I wanted to help women with their health in some mm. way, shape, form, or, or fashion. Mm. And I didn't quite know how that would translate. But when I mm. got so interested in sleep, I was like, "Sleep is it." You know, I'm so passionate about it, and I feel like that is the way that I'm going to help women with their health. And so in 2021, I started my sleep coaching practice and here I am doing doing, something that I'm really passionate about. I'm one of those people who changed careers in midlife, you know, and it was scary. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you too. And a lot of the people listening to your podcast, I'm sure are, have gone through that or going through it. Mm -hmm. It's scary, but, um, it's exciting, you know, to do something new and to do something really passionate about. It's interesting how the stars 
aligns so perfectly and you don't realize it at the time, but as like you tell your story and you're going back, it's like, wow, how this all kind of played out. Even like with your boyfriend coming and saying, Hey, uh, you know, wake up literally (laughs) get off those sleeping pills. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure that was probably affecting you in so many ways, right? Like, I mean, it was probably affecting your relationship. It was affecting your work. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I had several instances where I did, um, binge eat, you know, after Uh I took the pills Mm -hmm. and that was no fun because Mm -hmm. if you, if you, if you eat a bunch of junk before bed, it doesn't help your sleep. Yeah. Yucky the next day. And then as far as the whole, um, focus the next day, I mean, I, I found out later that 80% of people who have, who are taking sleeping pills have next day side effects like grogginess, you know, trouble focusing. And at the time I had a job where I was responsible for like writing like press releases and things like Mm -hmm. that. Very, like a very short notice, Mm -hmm. you know? And I remember just getting assignments, like you need to write this by in a half hour. And I would stare at my keyboard, like, like I I was really fuzzy headed up until lunchtime most days. And so it did affect my work performance, probably more so than if I had actually been sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it. the, the sleeping pills were doing what they were supposed to do. They were helping you get sleep, but it was not quality sleep either. Like it was at a cost. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. The, the sleep that we get when we are on sleeping pills is not the highest quality sleep because mm-hmm. sleeping pills change our sleep architecture. You're not getting as much REM sleep and you're not getting as much deep sleep. Right. Um, and so the, the it's more like sedation than actual true sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's not the same thing, but yeah, I was you know, reading that on your website, something about like the sleeping pills that it's basically, it's like almost like putting you into a coma, you know, and yeah. instead of actually just good sleep. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's not to say that I'm against sleeping pills all the way around. I mean, I right. think they do have, they do have their time and place. Mm-hmm. And that is really when there's a crisis situation, yes. like, you know, a death, a divorce, an accident or something that, you know, fairly tragic, they're actually meant to be used short term. So mm-hmm. if you look at the right. package insert uh, of the sleeping pill, it will say, you know, do not use for more than two or three weeks. Yep. Right. The problem yeah. is, is that we go to our, our doctors, our doctors, Unfortunately, most of them in primary care have only gotten about two hours of sleep science training. Mm -hmm. So they rely so heavily on these meds because they don't know of really any other way to help a patient who's trouble, Mm -hmm. who's having trouble sleeping. So they're giving out the prescription fairly, fairly freely, you know, these Mm -hmm. days, um, hopefully that's changing, but, um, they're not really giving the patient an exit strategy. Yeah. That's the missing link. They should be actually counseling the patient and saying, you know, Let's have you come back in a few weeks and and figure out how to get you off the pills. You know, exactly. Instead, what's happening is they're just giving them just like kind of like a prescription for a birth control pill, like month after month after month. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the side effects with those alone are pretty bad. And then plus, I would think too, uh, you know, you're probably the next morning you're taking something to help you wake up and to help with the grogginess. And then it's like this vicious cycle that you can't seem to break. Yes. It's like, you know, you're, you're wanting more caffeine Yeah, and you get the caffeine crash, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely not an ideal situation. Yeah. 
Now, silly question, but is there a difference? Um, like I know, you know, there's some people, like you said, for you is a hard time falling asleep. And then there's some people that can just fall asleep super easily. And then they wake up at like 3am and they can't go back to sleep or it might take them two or three hours. Is there a difference in like the chemistry that's going on in your body of why some people will be one or the other? That's a really great question. And it's been asked of me before. The the mechanism of insomnia is pretty steady, you know, mm-hmm. but what I find, this is a generalization, mm-hmm. but what I typically find with my clients is that the clients who have trouble initiating sleep in the beginning of the night, so sleep onset insomnia, they tend to be people who tend to have a little bit more anxiety mm-hmm. and it's the anxiety and the worry that right. they end up, um, that ends up like preventing them from falling asleep. Okay. Yeah. So middle of the night awakenings tend to be, now this is a generalization, mm-hmm. they tend to be often more medically related. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now this is not across the board, but yep. when I say medically related, what I mean is um, sleep apnea, um, mm-hmm. dips in blood sugar. They may um, be too warm, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why they're waking yep. up. Um, so there are lots of reasons why we wake up in the middle of the night, but just yeah. generally speaking, it tends to be a little bit less uh, with worry, right? Yes, that, right. That which makes sense because yeah. your mind is still active. Yeah, um, it still has it. And I just know from I'm such a geek here, but <laughs> having studied like some neuroscience and meditation, like you have, you know, your brain waves is delta, theta, alpha, beta, and like right now, you and I are probably in beta. Um, if we were to kind of like start doing some yoga or something like that and not speaking, we'd probably go down to alpha. And if we just completely dropped into a meditation and completely silent, we would be in theta. And then if we lay down and go to sleep, then it's delta. So what I've noticed, especially with us Americans and we're go, 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 go. And many of us are laying in our beds at night. I used to be guilty of this and we'd sit there and scroll on our phones, which is activating your brain, which is not letting your brain go into Delta brain waves, which is what you need in order to get some sleep. So I feel like as much as we love our phones, (laughs) it's like, it's actually harming us and not helping us to get rest, the rest that we, that we need, our brains need, that our bodies need everything. Um, in order to wake up the next day and be refreshed and and to to go on and actually do some good things, right? Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, our phones do so much good for us. Mm-hmm. But what I really try to to work with my clients on is putting their phone to bed in another room. Yes, you know, I feel yeah. pretty strongly about this. And yeah. for the reason that you mentioned is because, Often when we wake up, we are tempted to either look at our phone to see what time it is, mm-hmm. not helpful at all. Doesn't yeah. matter what time it is. That doesn't help you to see what time, because yeah. then you start doing the backward countdown. Yeah. Oh my God, I've got to be up in three hours. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. not going to, that's, that only heightens your anxiety. That's yeah. not going to help you relax to get back to sleep by any means. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, like you said, you're picking up your phone and you might just start scrolling. And right. that's activating. And mm-hmm. then we have to factor in the blue light that is shining in our eyes, which is yep. decreasing our melatonin. 
so it's it's kind of a shit show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> if I can say that. Absolutely. I think I can. It's a shit show. It's a sleep shit show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and that's why, you know, I say just take your phone, charge it in another room so that yep. it's there's no, it, you can't reach for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not there. Yeah. And, you know, it, for people who are listening, they're like, well, my phone is my alarm clock. Well, okay, then the solution yep. is get another type of alarm clock. And there are yes. so many alarm clocks out there on the market that are not, um, that are not dependent on your phone. Right. Right. There's, uh, regular old fashioned ones. Good old you know, classic. Those, yeah. are, those are somewhat annoying the sound. Yeah. And then there's like, um, hatch alarms, right. Which oh, yeah. give you that, um, sunrise modulation effect, that kind of yeah. gentle brightening of the room. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I used there's... to have this one that was like, I was trying to think of the name that I wish I, when I moved into to the RV, I had to get rid of it because it was a little too big, but, and they make some smaller ones, but it was like a little chime yeah, and it would slowly go ding, ding. So you weren't uh-huh. like, Oh, like waking up, like, you know, the classic 1980s alarm clocks, you're yes. like, ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> <Shock>. <laughs> it's a nice gentle awakening. But I mean, kind of going back, like phone or not, like, let's say someone's out there, like I do put my phone in the kitchen, you know, really it is winding your body down, right? Yes. To be able to rest. Yeah. I mean, I think that one thing that we need to remember is that sleep is not an on-off switch. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, it's kind of like uh, Matthew Walker, who's like a really well-known sleep scientist. He wrote that book, Why We Sleep. He talks about sleep is like, descending a plane, like, you know, we don't just crash down, yes. right? We have to, the a gradual descent into sleep. And that's a really beautiful analogy of how the, the falling to sleep process works. And, you know, a lot of uh, parents out there who have young children know that those young children need a wind down routine. They yes. need Yep. You know, they have a very specific Take a bath and you yeah, do all, yeah, yep. all those things they do. But yet a lot of parents, especially moms, mm-hmm. do not provide that same type of wind down structure mm-hmm. for themselves, yes. right? Yep. And so, you know, I'm encouraging people, you know, especially like the, the clients that I work with who a lot of them are, you know, busy um, people who may have children that they're taking care of to really give themselves that wind down time, you know, of at least, I mean, ideally an hour, but like, if you don't have an hour at least give yourself a half an hour to kind of yeah. decompress, um, get yourself into a mode that is not work, you know, mm-hmm. get, shut down the work, shut down the computer, um, yeah. you know, not have stimulating conversations, just do things that are just really relaxing. And that varies mm-hmm. from person to person. You know, some yeah. people's version of relaxing is, you know, a bath. And some people like I mean myself, I don't find baths relaxing. Really. Yeah. So I wouldn't take like, a bath. Get me out of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand it. Um, so yeah. it's just a real, you know, it's just a real personal preference as to what people find relaxing. I actually, people are like astounded sometimes when I say this, I, as a sleep coach, do use TV watching as my wind down activity. And people are like, oh my God, that's, that's horrible. Like that's, that's not good sleep hygiene. But, but here's the thing yeah. is that for me, and I know for some other people as well, it does relax them. Now I, mm-hmm. I have a TV outside of my bedroom. So I'm mm-hmm. watching in another room, I'm watching an actual TV fairly far away from me. 
mm-hmm. so that I don't have the brightness right up yeah. in my face. Right. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing is I'm also watching content that is not stimulating. It's not scary. It's not uh, provocative. It's like fairly benign, like the mm-hmm. Great British Baking Show or yeah. you know, a documentary about, you know, home or a home decor show or whatever. Yes. Um, so it's really, you know, it's really about the content. And then it's about like how much of the blue light exposure you're getting. So I do wear blue light blocking glasses just as a precaution. I saw those on your website. Those are so cool. They're they're cool looking. I was like, ooh, I want They are pretty rad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, why is it so important to get good sleep? Yeah, well, sleep, what, what, what I say is that sleep is the, foundation upon which all of the other pillars of health are built. So mm-hmm. we talk about those foundations of sleep, movement, and nutrition. Mm-hmm. And when you think about nutrition and movement, like exercise, those things, there's plenty of information about that. There are plenty yeah. of people out, out there, professionals yeah. who are doing nutritionists, um, personal trainers, or so many of those. But sleep, I feel like has been sort of the redheaded stepchild of that trio. Yes, I know. Yeah. And the reason I feel like it needs to kind of be elevated is because without adequate sleep, we're not going to have the motivation and the energy to work out Mm -hmm. without good sleep. We're not going to have the willpower to make good food choices. Mm -hmm. So that's why I really say it's sort of the foundation upon which the other pillars are built. And if you look at just what sleep does, it's like an overnight, um, cleansing process, really. It's an overnight repair for your body and brain. So a lot of things are happening. So we have something called our lymphatic system in our brain. It's essentially Mm -hmm. the lymphatic system for our brain. And it was Mm -hmm. only discovered about 10 years ago, which is kind Mm -hmm. of crazy to think about. But imagine like your brain is sort of having this car wash going on overnight. Mm -hmm. And most of this process happens during our deep sleep. Mm -hmm. And it's what's happening is it's cleansing the toxins out of our brain. So mm-hmm. we're getting a good brainwashing, not a bad brainwashing. Yeah. Um, we're also um, getting our hormones balanced overnight, our um, muscle repair. Mm-hmm. It's good for our heart health, uh, good for injury prevention. I mean, mm-hmm. there's really not one thing that sleep is not touching in our bodies yeah. and brains. Yeah. And it's a like a third of our day. Yeah. Yeah, I really it's interesting. So. I, I mean, I'll admit you are the very first sleep coach that has ever oh. contacted me. And I was like, <laughs> I did. I was like, I clicked on, I was like, sleep coach. Interesting. I didn't even know they had that. But I thought, but they need that. Yeah. Because sleep is so important. And I've, you know, I've been through times in my life, kind of like you were saying earlier, where you need to temporarily take some, you know, a sleep aid. And I did. Like after my brother died and I was going through my divorce, like I could not sleep. I was like, still like having flashbacks of my brother passing. And I was like, oh, like, and then I'd start thinking and I was trying anything and everything to try to get to sleep. And I knew if I didn't sleep, I wouldn't feel good the next day. I wouldn't be able to function. And I knew it was like affecting my health. And so I did for like maybe two weeks, I took some type of like sleep aid just to help me relax and get some rest. And then and then eventually, yes. And it was like, okay, now I don't need to be taking this anymore. I need yeah. to figure out some other ways, right? Yeah. 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 Well, what you described is really what is called acute or 
acute insomnia or right. um so what that is is basically when insomnia is like three months or less. Mm-hmm. And and it's very it's quite common for mm-hmm. most people to have some bout of acute insomnia because life deals with some pretty, you know, un, unplanned things sometimes, tragedies yes. and things like that. And so it's actually a really normal and adaptive reaction to not be mm-hmm. able to sleep. The problem is, is when that acute insomnia just morphs into chronic insomnia. Yeah. And exactly. it just it, it kind of creates a life of its own um, th- and perpetuates itself essentially. And that's, that's when really I feel like, you know, somebody like a sleep coach or a sleep doctor could come in and be helpful. But right. honestly, I would probably, if someone's having, you know, uh, acute insomnia, I would probably reach out for help before three months, more mm-hmm. like, more like two months. Right. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. And then how many hours of sleep should we be getting? So the way that I look at sleep, well, let me back up and say mm-hmm. that according to the American Academy of Sleep uh, mm-hmm. or the National Sleep Foundation, rather, they are recommending between seven and nine hours for adults mm-hmm. 18 to 64. And so we hear a lot about eight hours. You know, Everyone must get eight hours. I think mm-hmm. that I think that it's probably because eight is between seven and nine. So there's that happy <laughs> medium. I think I'm not sure, but if you really look at the at the National Sleep Foundation guidelines, and the fine print, you know, um, beyond the headline, what you'll see is that it'll say six to out, six to ten hours can be appro- can can be appropriate for some people. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we ha- that's a, a quite a, a wide that's quite range, a range. Yeah. Right? So um, I kind of look at sleep as sort of like a calorie requirement, right? So you and I may not have the same calorie requirement because, you know, we may be built differently. We may be doing different activities. And so, so you may think seven hours is awesome for you, but it's not enough for me. Yes. I was just going to, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. We all kind of have to figure out what our, I call it our sleep sweet spot is. Mm-hmm. Right. And then again, you know, it's not all about the number of hours, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we really, I think, want to look more into quantity, excuse me, quality. Yeah. Because that's, that's huge too. So I would rather have one of my clients have, you know, six and a half hours of good quality sleep than eight hours of low quality broken sleep. Yeah. They're, they're now, what is the difference? Better. I mean, besides the obvious, but what's the difference between the two? How would you know if you have good quality or, or poor? uh, Yes. That's a really good question. So there, I would say the most, the most obvious way to find that out is to gauge how you feel the next day. Mm -hmm. So if you are feeling the next day, relatively energized and you're able to do your, your normal activities and you're not relying on caffeine and you know, things like that to get through your day, you're probably getting decent quality sleep. Mm -hmm. If you have a sleep tracker, then you can really get into the numbers because it'll tell you straight up what your sleep quality is. And, you know, sleep sleep trackers are great in many respects for people who want to optimize or who are curious about how their sleep looks, but it's a slippery slope, you know, because most of the people that I work with have insomnia. And when you have insomnia, you tend to have more sleep anxiety than the average mm-hmm. sleeper. And so looking at that data every morning 
Yes. Can can't be like, gosh, almost yes. like you failed or something. Yes. It yes. can create this extra level of anxiety and, and worry about, you know, the, the minutia. So sometimes I will suggest to people, you know, try a sleep tracker, but don't look at the data every day. Like right. look at it weekly. So you're looking mm-hmm. at trends over time. You're not getting, you know, wrapped up in each day. Right. Don't become obsessed with yes. it. Yes. What's your favorite um, sleep tracker? Currently, um, the Aura Ring, which I have. Oh. I've had it for over three years. And I like it because I do believe it has the most accurate information for sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think most people would agree that that's mm-hmm. the case. And wearing a ring to me is um, less obtrusive than wearing a watch. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> on my wrist. It's just easier yeah. to wear. There, so the compliance tends to be better with a ring. Um, now, mm-hmm. if you are somebody who is using a tracker for fitness, mm-hmm. or it's probably not the best, probably the, mm-hmm. maybe the whoop might be the best for people who are really into the recovery and the fitness aspect of a tracker. But mm-hmm. for sleep, I think Aura is a really great, you know, Solution. Yeah, and I I think I've heard of it. Is that its main purpose is just for tracking sleep? Yeah, so it tracks okay. sleep and it tracks readiness as well. Okay. And that's that's a whole different dashboard. But essentially, what readiness looks at is like your resting heart rate overnight, okay. your HRV, um, your temperature. You mm-hmm. know, it can be helpful. And um, you know, if people are cycling and predicting when they're going to have their period. Yep. Um, their breathing rate, you know, all of those things we want to make, cause we want really want to enhance our capacity to recover overnight. So when those recovery rates are really good, we tend to feel better in the morning. Mm-hmm. Speaking of temperature. And then you also mentioned earlier about like waking up in the middle of the night due to, you know, could be due to medical reasons. What comes to mind is perimenopause and uh, menopause yes. and, at midlife here. And that's what, yeah, that's what I think of because I can remember when I was going through all of that, I had a really hard time sleeping. I was having night sweats and all of that fun stuff. And that can really affect you. And it's frustrating. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There, I think that there are tons of women out there who are dealing with that same issue of mm-hmm. night sweats and just being hot. So a couple things to consider would be having bedding and pajamas. Not not everyone wears pajamas. If you can avoid pajamas, that's excellent for yeah. you. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. So I wear yeah. pajamas. But um what I try to do is get bamboo um sheets oh, and pajamas. Yes. Mm-hmm. And those tend to be cooling and more mm-hmm. breathable. So, you know, you want to look at, you know, your bed and what you're wearing in mm-hmm. bed. And then um, you also can investigate sort of the, I think the next level of intervention, which are cooling mattress pads. Yes. Those are amazing. Uh, I have one of those and I don't, I have not had hot flashes and I'm Mm going to knock on wood that I don't, but um, I do, you know, I tend, I am sleeping hotter and sometimes, you know, depending on if I've had a heavier meal or if I've had a glass of wine, it will exacerbate, you know, my body heat. And so Mm -hmm. I need extra cooling. Um, it's been a game changer for me. Now they are a little bit of an investment, but I think that, I think if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, buy something that's fairly expensive for your sleep quality, it's, it's an investment that'll give you, you know, a lot of return back. 
Exactly. And then if you have a partner that likes to sleep warmer, you can yes. be like, listen, here's a deal. <laughs> yeah. You can enjoy. You want me to be happy tomorrow. Yes. You better deal with it. it, it Get another be, blanket. Yes. It could be a marriage saver, you know, because you each side can control their temperature, yeah. which is just genius. Oh, that is so awesome. So you mentioned like foods. Do foods play a part in how you sleep? Yes, they can. So there's not really like uh, a lot of specific foods that are, you know, like a magic bullet for sleep, because I think that if there were, we'd know by now, but there are right, definitely, right. There are definitely some, some meals I would say that you could eat at dinner that are not good for sleep. So if you're, mm-hmm. you know, we really want to look at timing. So I recommend that people um, have their last meal at least three hours before bed, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want to give your body a chance to die. Your body's using energy to, to digest. Right. So if it's given right. the choice between digesting and sleep, it's going to choose digesting. You want mm-hmm. it to choose sleep. So yeah. give yourself that nice runway of about three or more hours to digest. Mm-hmm. You want to you know choose a meal that is not too heavy. You mm-hmm. know, I think a good um, ratio of carbs, uh, excuse me, protein, a little bit of complex carb and yeah. vegetables is a really good mix. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some studies that have indicated a Mediterranean diet is sleep promoting. Yep. Probably because of all the, you know, the essential fatty acids and, you know, mm-hmm. the fish and the fiber and the vegetables. So that's, you know, I, I think that's a good way of eating for a lot yeah. of people, sleep promoting and just good overall for your health. Um, I would avoid, you know, having desserts at night. Those mm-hmm. can really kind of make you hotter. I think mm-hmm. sleep hotter, I, at least according to my stats, they have. Um, and alcohol can be yeah. like a real big sleep saboteur, I call it. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, if you're going to drink alcohol, try to drink it earlier than later. So think mm-hmm. like happy hour versus nightcap. Right, exactly. And then, um, and then of course, like chocolate, caffeine, that could yes. be... Yes. I mean, some people are really sensitive to that. Yes. Like they can't have anything after, you know, one o'clock or, and, and I would think the key is, is learning your body. Like you were saying earlier for you, you can watch a little TV and that calms you down and you're good to go. And for other people, it could be, I need to read a book or I need to take a bath or whatever that is. And I would think it's just kind of like trying some different things out. Yeah. I think you make yeah. a really good point because we all have different levels of sensitivity to caffeine. And mm-hmm. there's a way to find out on a genetic test, but not all of us are going to get a genetic test. Let's face right. it. Yeah. Um, to find out our gene and how fast we clear our, our caffeine. But I, I always say kind of assume, uh, you know, that you c- clear it slowly. So yes. then right. sort of instill this, you know, noon-ish caffeine mm-hmm. curfew, I think is a really safe option for most people. And then you mentioned the chocolate. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of times we don't like think about chocolate as a source of caffeine. Yeah. And a lot of people like, like to have their little chocolate square after dinner or before bed as a little treat. Um, And there's, there's no harm in that, but it's just, you know, what is the caffeine content in that? Right. Yes. Kind of weigh that out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really becoming, you becoming more in tune with your body, with what your body needs. And it'll, it, it'll tell you, like I've said this before on the show, like your body will tell you if you mm-hmm. stop and listen, your body will tell you what it likes and does not like. And Absolutely. it may not be, again, it may not be the same thing as what your friend's body likes and doesn't like, or your partner's like, you've really got to get tuned in with what your body needs. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes if people are trying to figure this out and if they're struggling with their sleep a little bit, I think a good first step could be just having a sleep diary, a sleep journal where they're tracking, you know, some of the things they're doing and eating when, when they exercise and, and, you know, when they're doing certain things so that they can see patterns, you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to invest in like a aura ring or something expensive. You can, you can get some really good information just by like paper and pencil. Yes. Right. Exactly. I know one thing that works for me, I've downloaded the, um, I have the calm app Ah. and they have a lot of sleep meditations on there. Um, they do have like music, they have sleep stories, they have all this uh-huh. stuff. The sleep stories don't work for me because I get so into the story. That <laughs> <laughs> like, tell me more, especially if it's like read by some like really hot actor or something. <laughs> I'm like, no, but then there are some meditations that work like a charm for me. Like I n- I've never finished them because uh. I'll fall asleep like within eight or 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, and I sleep so good. Like you can tell, right? Like yeah. you wake up the next morning like, whoa, like did I just like, it's almost like shocking when you look at the, at the clock, you know, like, oh my gosh, did I really sleep that length of time? Yeah. And I, I didn't wake up. Did I pee? No, I didn't pee. Like, this is awesome, <laughs> you know? Wow. So, yeah. It's so, it makes such a big difference in your life to get yes, good sleep. It does. It absolutely does. So, um, so tell us about all the, the services you provide and all that. Yeah. Good stuff. So currently I have a one-to-one sleep coaching package. It's, it's called my sleep makeover. Hmm. And wow, I like it. Thank you. It is for uh, women who are struggling with their sleep. That could be, um, you know, insomnia, or it could be even just like they're having kind of a blip in the radar with their sleep, um, mm-hmm. or they want to optimize their sleep. Mm-hmm. So we work one to one through Zoom, and then there's you know some contact in between sessions for support. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a way to work with me. I also have a free mini course that's on my oh, nice. website that people can take. Um, and also something called a sleep clarity call, which is hmm. a free 20 minute call with me where we talk about your sleep challenge. I can offer a couple solutions mm-hmm. and even chat with you about what sleep coaching looks like. Cause a lot of people are like, what does that even involve? Mm-hmm. So right. That. Um, so yeah, those are some ways you can get more of my information or work with me. Yeah. And again, I love on your website, you have tons of um, information on there for different products, um, supplements, uh, question for you in regards to supplements is, you know, sometimes like I'll take melatonin. Yeah. Is there harm to almost like with the sleeping pills, you know, the prescription sleeping pills, is there harm to continue to take melatonin or should you also wean yourself off of things like melatonin? Good question. So now this is not medical advice, Whitney. <laughs> Disclosure. But I um I have gotten very interested in melatonin recently, a specific type of melatonin that is plant melatonin. Oh. So I had been dabbling a little bit with synthetic melatonin mm-hmm. without a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't very consistent with it. The problem is with synthetic melaton- melatonin is there's about 13 different potential contaminants in the ingredients. Mm. And there's also a lot of variance in how much is in the melatonin. So a lot of times mm. you'll get less melatonin than advertised or a lot more. Mm-hmm. So the plant melatonin is actually interesting because they did studies with it and they showed that it had like 
600% more anti-inflammatory capabilities than synthetic ah. melatonin and 400% more antioxidant um, capabilities. Wow, that's so, a lot. So you're getting a lot of those phytonutrients. It's just made with alfalfa, chlorella, and rice. Mm-hmm. And so I find that that, to me personally, seems to be a safer choice than a synthetic synthetic melatonin. Hmm. And for me personally, like it has helped me with hmm. my sort of perimenopausal early morning wake-ups. Yeah. Hasn't com- completely cured it. Yeah. By all means. I'm not going to, yep. you know, exaggerate yeah. the, the claim, but it's helped to the point where I can notice it, you know, yes. where, where it's helping me. Um, and I look at it as very safe because it's plants. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, you know, each person needs to decide for themselves you know, what their comfort level is on using supplements, whether they want to use them just for a brief period of time, or if mm-hmm. they feel comfortable, you know, long-term. Um, so it's just an individual, you know, decision. Yeah. And you know, one thing I just thought of too, I guess it really is a lot to talk about with sleep. Uh, tons. We could talk all day. <laughs> okay, talk all day. We'll just put ourselves <laughs> to sleep. That's right. But um, one thing that works for me is sound. So, um, having a sleep machine, having, um, like, thankfully, like when I'm in Malibu, I can hear the waves crashing. That Mm. is great. Um, some people I think prefer complete silence. They can't stand just any bit of a noise. So let's talk about that a little bit about the sound. It's a, you know, again, it's one of those really personal preferences, you know? So I, I personally sleep with a white noise maker. Because mm-hmm. I like that steady hum of of yeah. something. Now, what I wouldn't recommend somebody somebody doing is sleeping with um, perhaps one of those sleep apps where the the noise is intermittent or like there's a random frog, like you know, yeah. ribbon or whatever. So yeah. th- that can actually wake you, c- kind of give you this like micro wake up. If you've mm-hmm. got if you've got like music that changes tempo or there's a symbol or what or whatever. Right. So I think if you're going to use noise, your best bet is to do like a noise machine where the noise is just steady. There's no mm-hmm. like ups and downs or, you know, anything un- unexpected. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. But um, some people can't stand white noise or any noise at all. And then like, I really like it to sleep. Like I yeah. find like, I don't, I don't like it at all if I'm at a hotel and I've rigged up my portable sleep machine and then at 2 a.m. it dies, the the battery dies. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like I notice it and I'm like, oh, you know, because I'm I'm so used to it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it can be a good idea to travel with something like that because yeah. when you're in a hotel or an Airbnb, you just don't have as much control over the noises outside. Well, and yes, and plus you don't know the noises. So it makes you sit, lay there and think about what noise is that? What noise is right. that? Like when we're at home, we're like, oh, that's the ice maker. That's the, right. yes. the dog scratching or whatever. Like, you know, the noises in your house. But yeah, I have found for me, it's like having some type of white noise or waves crashing. Then that works for me. But yes, I've tried even like some of the music, the sleep music. That doesn't work Yeah, because of that, the change in the... Yes. The, the waves like affect yes. my waves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to use sleep um, music, then you could do it on a timer. Mm-hmm. So that it shuts off at a certain point so that like, you know, three hours later, you don't get woken up by like a tempo change or something like that. Yeah. So you could, you could do the music, but just, you know, time it. 
keep that there all, all of these players have a timer so you, it'll shut off after a certain period of time yeah exactly well this has been great yes it's been really Thank fun you. talking to you yeah hopefully we've changed some lives today and i'm i'm actually so. excited to go to sleep tonight Yay. <laughs> i do want to check out that um the plant-based melatonin now yeah yeah, I can I can leave it. Um, I can send you the info and maybe yeah. put it in the show notes or whatever because people might be curious. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Thank you so much. And then where can we find you? Yes, my website is morganadamswellness.com. And I'm also really active on Instagram. So my handle is morganadams.wellness and you can find me there as well. Nice. And I'll put it all in the show notes too. Well, thank you so much. And everyone have a great day and get a good night's rest. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Okay, thank you. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, Share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.